Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. I invite you to turn this morning to Matthew chapter 5. That'll be page 730, uh, 735 in uh, your in the soft cover Bibles there in, in the seats. Um, as you're turning there, just want to give you a little bit of information about myself. I don't know. I know many of you. I don't know all of you, and all of you don't know me that well. Um, but uh, if you can't tell, I'm not that um, dramatic. Uh, I, I tend to try and keep a calm demeanor. Um, my go-to line is, uh, you know, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Just no matter. No, doesn't matter what it is. It'll be okay. And my wife, you know, she, she hates it. Um, there's a, she loves to tell the story that we were in Mexico. I think I've shared before. There was an earthquake. Middle of the night. We were in Mexico City. We were in a hotel somewhere. She, she, Dan, there's an earthquake. Get up, get up. My response was, what are we going to do about it? Go back to bed? <laughs> Nothing I can do to change it. She's like freaking out. I'm like, ah, be fine. It's just an earthquake. You know, if I... If our children are bleeding, you know, eh, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. Stop crying, right? Um, you know, foot's facing the wrong direction. Shake it off. You'll be all right. Um, you know, it's, it's served me well in life because I've rarely overreacted. I just, you know, hey, all right, I'm just, yeah, I'm calm. Just sort of keep a calm, cool demeanor. Um, but as a few drawbacks, um, I, I can be mistaken as somebody who's disinterested, <laughs> Um, disconnected, I can appear robotic um, at times, uh, you know, like he's just, does he have emotions? Does, does he ever feel anything? Um, and, uh, you know, yes, I do. I do. Very rarely, but I do. Um, but there are moments where I realize that, like, everything isn't going to be okay. You know, there's these moments where you go, oh, and... Um, yeah, it's it's hard for me to formulate words in those moments. I, I want to tell people it's going to be okay, but I just can't bring myself to do it. You know, I want to be like, hey, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Right? It's going to be okay because I'm, I'm a minimizer. I, no drama, just keep it down. You know, like keep the drama down. I just everything's going to be okay. But there are these moments where I want to I want to say it, and I can't because I don't know that it's going to be okay. And I go. I wish I could just tell you it's going to be okay right now. But something in me knows that I can't say that. Especially with my kids. You know, you try and console your kids if the doctor's getting a shot. You know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be a needle stuck in your arm. And actually inside I'm going, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And uh, I don't even like needles. Like, I want to punch a doctor in the face. Like, don't stick a needle in me. Like, I would rather be punched in the face than get a needle. There's just something about needles. I just don't like them. Um... But when our kids are upset about stuff, we want to reassure them, right? We want to tell them it's going to be okay. And sometimes we just can't bring ourselves to say it. Now, I don't know if you are a calm person. If you are, so you've got the pendulum, right? You've got the completely robotic, calm person over here. And over here, you know who I'm talking about. Drama is, oh boy, it's their favorite word, you know. You don't have raspberry lemonade, right? Like everything is an overreaction. Like you, 
completely off, you know. And so you may be there, you may be there, you may be somewhere in between. I don't know where you are today. Um, but my guess is that most of us would like for things to be okay. You want everything to be okay, wherever you are. And right now it's hard to look our kids in the eyes and say things like, you know, hey, I know the world seems messy right now, but it's going to be okay. Like, we'd like to say that to our children. Wouldn't you like to tell your kids it's going to be okay? Wouldn't you like to tell other people it's going to be okay? But there's something inside of us that goes, I, I can't promise that. I can't say that. Because I don't know. I don't know. So today we're going to continue the Happy People series. <laughs> happy people. And when we think about who are really the happy people, certain qualities come to mind. And who Jesus identifies as happy people are some of the last people that we think of as happy. Last week we said that the happiest people are not those who the world celebrates as the greatest, right? But rather those who know that they are nothing but have everything, right? That's what he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who know they are nothing, but yet they have everything. And once again today, Jesus is going to challenge our assumptions. Again, for some context, he's talking to the Jewish people, his Sermon on the Mount. So he's got a big crowd and he's preaching to this crowd of, of largely Jewish people. Their influencers, their leaders were a group called the Pharisees who just emphasized the outward expression, you know, that um, influence and importance mattered. And, you know, they defined what success and happiness looked like. And Jesus is saying, hey, they got this all backwards. And he goes off on this sort of just rant about Boom, 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 boom. Let me tell you, Lisa, let me point out what happy people look like. And he starts just pointing things out. And uh, he says, God blesses or blessed are nine times, eight times. And uh, it literally means happy people. Let me tell you who the happy people are. And this is not happy, like emotionally happy, but again, the joy filled, happy, like truly at peace, content people. Let me tell you who, who they are. So we're going to pick it up. Matthew chapter five, verse one. It says this, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then today's verse, verse four says this, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. When you heard happy people, I want to ask, raise a hand. How many of you thought, oh, the mourners? I mean, oh, absolutely. The first people I'm thinking of, you know, the sad, the upset, the crying, the hurt. Mm-hmm. Happy. Happy. Those who, are, those who are grieving, that's that's who I'm thinking of. People who are wrecked by the mess around them. Yes, they look so happy. Um, so why in the world is Jesus saying this? To mourn means to grieve, to hurt, to lament a loss. The loss of something. It's, 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 it's this idea of, of a loss of something that was held valuable. Think, think of like Yankee fans right now when you think of mourning. Um, we used to be the best. And now we are lamenting and mourning the loss. 75 losses and counting actually at the moment of, of so far um, for what was and is no longer. 
We are mourning and in grief. It's terrible. It's actually the same word used to describe the disciples after Jesus was crucified. They were crushed. Right? Jesus had changed their lives, their families, their understanding of God. They were simple fishermen, right? They were despised tax collectors. Their world was turned upside down by this guy who gave them hope and peace and changed so much for them. And I mean, it was a revelation. This was a world changing experience with Jesus. And Jesus is gone now. And Mark's gospel account tells us that they were mourning and weeping. It was a bitter wailing. Mourning, it says, I am not okay with this. I wish this wasn't so. It's interesting we talk about sequoias this morning because it ties in very well. It's that feeling of just deep, deep grief and loss for what used to be and is no longer. So mourners, I mean, they absolutely seem happy. Jesus totally nailed it. I mean, I get it. It, it pretty obvious to me, right? You getting this? See, there's an important little thing we need to pay attention to, and it's called the comma. The comma. See, blessed are those who mourn. Comma. Ready? For they will be comforted. To comfort means to call to one's side. To console. See, something extraordinary happens when, when people mourn. It says God actually comes to their side. He comes alongside of them. C.S. Lewis said this. It says God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. There's something about pain. It's like GPS. that tells God... Be close to those people. And it brings God to their side. See, when you mourn, here's the thing. God finds you. He comes to where you are, and he finds you there. And he speaks this to us. Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. God speaks it into our lives. He speaks comfort to console, to come alongside, to ease the suffering, to ease the pain. To lessen it. And he says this. Not only does he do it in the moment of our pain. But Revelation tells us this. That God will wipe every tear from our eye. See comfort is again that now but not yet fully thing we talk about. Right? So now he comforts us. He comes alongside of us. And he gives us lesson. But not yet fully. Because one day he wipes away our tears. But one day he's going to wipe them all away. No more tears. No more pain. Do you see how God is the comforter? Psalm 30, verse 5 says this, and we sang it this morning. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. See, the grieving, the mourning, that's a reality. But God comes alongside and he eases it. So what? How could grief and mourning be the key to happiness? It just seems so counterintuitive. And here's the question, I think, that really begs the answer. It's this. Wouldn't it be better to not have any loss than to have loss and need comfort? 
Wouldn't you rather just not have any loss than to say, well, let's just have loss and need comfort? God, you're big enough. Why any loss at all? You ever ask that question? God is big enough for the hard questions. You got a hard question for God? Ask. He's big enough. He can handle it. Here's the truth. The truth is that loss was never God's purpose for our lives. Loss was never his purpose. But the moment that sin entered the world, dang Adam and Eve, loss became a reality. There's actually the first consequence of sin was loss. Loss of relationship. There's no greater loss than the loss of our perfect relationship with God, our Father. We, we heard Nancy talking about loss isn't always about death. Sometimes loss is about the broken relationship. You grieve over broken, over what used to be and is no longer. Anybody got a friend that you can't talk to anymore? Somebody, a family member, somebody that you just wish it were different, but you grieve the loss. They're still there, but it's not the same. And you feel lost for what used to be and is no longer. Adam and Eve, sin entered the world and we broke that relationship with God. And we are still feeling the effects of that loss today. Loss is inevitably part of our human experience. There is not a soul on earth that can avoid it. We can't ignore it. We can't resist it. We can't deny it. You have lost in your life. I have lost. Everybody has lost. Loss is everywhere. Nobody, nobody gets away without it. We mourn the losses of parents and grandparents and spouses and friends. We mourn for the wrongs done to us, for the things taken from us, things that cost us our peace and our joy and our dreams. People take things from you, and we mourn those losses. We mourn for the wrongs done by us. Shame takes from us. And we mourn what could have been and should have been. Anybody have shame and regret for what you could have been? We mourn. We've got loss. We live with it. We mourn for others. We mourn for the pain that others experience, for their losses. We mourn for for our children, for our world. We mourn for the wrongs done to others. We, we mourn for the wrongs done by others. We just, we're just grieved. This may be difficult this morning, and I don't know what to say, but I feel God wants to awaken and do something in our hearts today. Children get me the most. I saw this picture recently in the news of a Syrian child. I don't know if you've seen this picture. It's a little boy. In the back of an ambulance because there was a bombing in his city. Is that okay? So, is that okay? How about this child who lost his father who was a soldier? Do you feel that? Do you feel his loss? Children are starving all over our world. People are hungry and without food and in need. It's not okay. Children are taking their own lives because they feel bullied 
It happens. And it's not just children. Our country is splintering because of racial and political perspectives. Wars. Violence is all too common. There is suffering all over our world. You can't read the news without seeing it. And what happens is we feel the pain of this brokenness and something happens to us. And either we become numb to it, right? Because it's called compassion fatigue. We've talked about this before in other messages years ago, but you see so much pain that you just shut off. Another bombing, another shooting, another loss, another loss. And you just you get numb. Anybody get numb? You get numb. Either you get numb or you're an absolute disaster. You just can't even handle it. Why, God? Why? Why do you continue to allow so much pain? Something is deeply wrong. Can I tell you that feeling of grief and mourning for what has been lost that is so critical to our happiness? What in the world are you talking about? How in the world are they connected? Anybody remember probably one of the most famous films in history, The Wizard of Oz? Anybody ever see the original Wizard of Oz, you know? Story of four travelers on a journey together. Got the scarecrow on a quest for a brain. He needs a brain really, really bad. He said, I wish I had a brain. Some people, I, I, I wish I had a brain, but he wishes he had a brain. Then there's the the cowardly lion who, courage, right? He wants courage. And he's on a quest for courage because he's a scaredy cat. And he wants to be a brave, bold lion. And there's Dorothy who just wants to go home. There's no place like home. Just wants to go home. And it comes to the tin man. The tin man, what does he want? He wants a heart. He just wants a heart. And eventually they make their way to Oz and meet the wizard who's not what they thought, but they get what they asked for. They find it along the way. And at the end of of this story, it's time to kind of disband and go their separate ways. Dorothy's going to go back home and they're all going to kind of split up. And the tin man starts to cry. Because he's developed such a deep relationship and kinship with these others that he's traveled with. And Dorothy says to him, goodbye, tin man. Oh, oh, don't cry. You'll rust so dreadfully. Here's your oil can. And the tin man says this back to her. Now I know I've got a heart. Because it's breaking. Now I know I have a heart because it's breaking. This morning, the evidence of a happy and whole heart is one that breaks for the losses it sees and experiences.
the heart that breaks for the losses around us. Can I tell you, please, please, please don't lose that heart. Don't become numb. Because that is a heart like God's. Because God's heart mourns every moment of every day for the losses in our world. Some of you wear your heart on your sleeve. Others are more subdued. This is not about emotions. This is about love and compassion. The goal in life is not to limit the amount of grief that we feel. Although some of us would love to think that's our goal. I want to limit just the amount of grief that I have in my life. I want to limit the amount of mourning and pain that I, that I feel. That's not the goal. The goal is to allow God to break our hearts for what breaks his. Because when our hearts, when we allow our hearts to be broken, God shows up. He comes looking for you. And he speaks what we so desperately need, which is comfort. He doesn't fix everything in that moment. But here's what God does. He assures us that he is there with us. He comes alongside of us. He doesn't fix everything in the moment, but he's just there with us. Sometimes the best comfort isn't somebody who says anything. It's just a person who's there with you. Just with you. Because there's nothing to say. Because you can't say it's going to be okay because you don't know that, but you just are there with them. It's like children. There's something about just knowing a parent is there that brings comfort. Into your morning heart, God speaks these words, your comforter is here. And one day, one day, our great comforter is going to wipe away every tear from our eye. And there will be no more pain and no more sorrow. See, we're broken right now. But the comforter is with us and one day we'll be in his presence for eternity. The pain that we feel today is very real. You should be broken when you see things. Those things should mess you up. But it cannot steal our joy because our comforter is with us and he is big enough to make it all right. See, again, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. This isn't saying go and search for some pain. Go try and find your way into some suffering, right? Go, go, go mourn a whole lot, you know, because when you do, then God's going to show up. This is not what God is saying at all. But it is saying that we should be the most not okay people on the planet. We should be the most not okay people on the planet. Not okay with how things are. We should be the most grieved people by the loss that we see around us. We should not be able to look at people who are far apart from God and be okay with that. We should not be able to look at suffering and be okay with that. We should be the most messed up inside. Whether we show it or not, it should break our hearts. We should be mourning for those areas of loss. The happiest people are not those who have no pain who ignore pain or pretend to have no pain or anything like that. The happiest people are those who are not 
okay, but who know they will be. See, I am not okay, but I know I will be. It's my hope. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I am not okay, but I will be. But I can't live in the will be. I can't live in tomorrow. I've got to live in the morning today because in that moment, God comes near to me and gives me what I need. But I need to stay messed up. This morning, my prayer is that God messes you up. That he makes you not okay. It's a book called Holy Discontent by a guy named Bill Hybels. He's a pastor out in Chicago. He talks about the Popeye moment. Where you know, Popeye, the sailor man, he says, that's it, I've had all I can stands. I can't stands no more. That God would break our hearts so much that you get to a point that you just can't deal with the suffering. That you've got to do something about it. God wants you to be messed up because it motivates us to make change. Because God was so broken by our brokenness that he did something about it. He comes to us to comfort us. Today. You ready for this? You're welcome in advance. I release you to be not okay. You're welcome. You're welcome. I know you're so grateful for that. Can I just say, please, please, please acknowledge, acknowledge the pain that you see, the pain that you feel. Call things as they are. Pain is a flashing red light telling God, I need you right here. I am not okay with this. When major storms and disasters are forecasted, you know, like hurricanes and things like that, floods come in tidal, you know, tidal waves. Do you know that some people, most people leave, they evacuate. But some stay. Some, I don't know why they stay, but some stay. Or they're crazy or just stubborn or whatever, they just stay. And there's a fascinating insight into the dynamic between those two people afterwards. And I'll read it. It says this, the hearts of survivors, for those who stay and, and experience the storm, says they are often full of gratitude that they're still alive. Like, oh man. I should be dead right now. Yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah. But they're full of gratitude because I'm not dead. I'm just so grateful to be alive. It's interesting. And it says those who avoided the storm only see the devastation and feel anguish. The one who is lashed by the storm is often the one who's grateful. It's interesting. The one who didn't avoid the pain, who walks through it, it's the one who's the most grateful. See, we, it's not the one who ignores the pain or avoids it or tries to get around it. It's the one who embraces it that's the most grateful. Because in that, you find God near to you. When you run from pain, you wonder where God is. When you embrace it, he finds you. And when you do that, I want to encourage you, look for God to find you. 
And when you do this, you'll be able to share the comforter with a world who desperately needs him. Second Corinthians says this, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father, ready, and the source of all comfort. And he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When we are troubled, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Isn't that crazy how it works? God uses the people that went through pain and have been comforted to now turn around and bring release that comfort on others. It's a wave, a ripple effect of just comfort going out. And it starts with people who mourn. Since the fall of man, we have lived under a canopy of grief for what's been lost. And the greatest comfort that we can bring this world is not some trite little saying, that, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The greatest comfort we can bring is that the restoration of their greatest loss is awaiting them in the arms of their father, the comforter of all. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back up. We're going to close in just a few moments. We're going to end with communion in just a moment this morning. But perhaps today, you've yet to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I encourage you today, that's the greatest step towards wholeness and happiness you could ever take. God has one desire. And his one desire is that you would know him like he knows you. There's no better time than today to take this step. And as you've listened today, if you have felt God in some way reaching out to you, speaking to your heart, I want to encourage you, please respond. He is eager to bring you comfort like you've never known. So we're going to pray. Would you just close your eyes as we pray for a moment this morning? If, if that's you today, and if you're here and you already have a relationship with God, would you just say a silent prayer right now for anyone who might be at a decision point today? That they would just have the freedom to respond. Would you just pray right now silently? And if today you're here and you'd like to know God personally as your comforter, you've never known that before, would you simply raise your hand as a way of saying, God, I need you in my life. God, I need you. Perhaps today you've struggled with why you feel so deeply burdened for the brokenness around you. Can I tell you that is God within you. That is compassion and love and a desire for truth. And maybe this seemed like too much for you to bear. And you have felt like your life has been filled with more grief than you know. Today I want to encourage you. Look for God. Welcome him and invite him to be your comforter. He is coming to you. If that is you and you just simply say, I just need the comfort of God in my life today. Would you just raise your hand and say, God, I need you right now. Please let me know you're here. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.